Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things that are going on in the Big Ten. We have our Week 7 recap ready to get into all the games, everything that happened. We're going to talk about each and every Big Ten team that played in Week 7. Some teams did really well, some not so well. We'll get to all of them. We'll share our opinions. I have Sonny from the Illini cast here and Spartan Dog from the Michigan State Bacon Wire podcast here to talk with us. I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves and tell them tell you where they you can find their podcast if you like to he, if you would like to hear more of what they have to say Sunner with Sunny let's go to you first thanks JR for having me on again uh, I'm from the Illini cast from uh, the big banter uh, network we try to send out a couple episodes every week we do uh, mainly football but we also cover all Illinois athletics and for on a high level if you want to follow me just for sports talk in general you can follow me at the Sunny D Excellent. Thank you, Sonny. Appreciate that. Spartan Dog, you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find Bacon Wire wherever you find podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bacon Wire. Uh, we cover MSU football and basketball. Uh, you can find me at Spartan Dog 97. Um, I, I also follow the Lions pretty closely. So, um, you know, I've been alive for 26 years. I've been consciously watching football for 19 of them. Uh, not once in my in those 19 years have, would I would I think I ever say the phrase the Detroit Lions are the reason I'm still seeing right now. Wow, wow! God God has blessed Detroit with the Lions to keep them sane. So. <laughs> all right very good thanks Spartan dog appreciate that we're just going to go ahead and get into the games here oh one last thing uh big banter sports we are brought to you by big banter sports so please do visit big for all of your big 10 media needs college basketball and football and please do like and subscribe to this podcast or this youtube video whichever one you are watching follow and rate us as well we appreciate that so moving on we have iowa and wisconsin this was this was a crazy game. I mean, 15 to 6, you know that when the score gets a little wonky like that, uh, Tanner Mordecai went out of the game. If you saw the video online of him saying, I can't throw the ball, I can't throw the ball, that was kind of a wild scene. Um, Iowa, I posted this on Twitter earlier, but just an insane stat. Uh, LaShawn Williams from Iowa averaged 7 yards per carry. The QBR for Deacon Hill was 6.4. So the average yards per carry of the starting running back was higher than the QBR of the quarterback for Iowa, and Iowa still doubled the points that Wisconsin scored and won that game. <laughs> so uh, Iowa is just doing crazy things right now. It's it's insane. Uh, Spartan Dog, what was your read on this game? Uh, you know, I got to tell you, I am a sicko. Um, this game wasn't on my primary screen. I have five TVs in my basement. Nice. I I jerry rigged a five TV setup in my basement to to watch college football. Washington Oregon was on my primary screen as it should have been, but I had <laughs> Iowa Wisconsin on a secondary screen. And this Iowa team, like it's fair to say, it, they are incredible. I mean, besides the one hiccup against Penn State. This Iowa team could legitimately go 11 and one. And I don't think anyone would even bat an eye at them. And at that point, I don't even know how you fire Brian Ferentz, honestly. If you go 11 and one, like, how do you, how do you fire that? The AD who's, who made that contract isn't there anymore. So it's not like you can hold, you can hold them to an old agreement. It's going to be super interesting to see what happens to Iowa the rest of the year, because if they keep going like this, there's no possible chance they can fire Brian Ferentz. There just isn't. It's such a testament to Phil Parker and the def- and Iowa's defense and Iowa's offensive line that they're able to create offense out of nothing. It is absolutely wild. I, when I was trying to write hot takes for Twitter about week seven, I just sat there and looked at my screen. Like you guys ever seen that episode of SpongeBob where he's just sitting there with like the and that's literally what I had on my computer. I was like Iowa. And I didn't know what else to write. <laughs> so I, like, I have a hot take here somewhere, but it's like you don't need an offense to win. I don't know. I don't know what the hot take is. But uh, Sonny, what was your read on this one? I mean, it's incredible. You know, it's uh, uh, much like Spartan Dog. I I've got three screens, so you know, I had my Illinois uh, game on the main screen, then I had Iowa on the other, and then I had uh, Washington Oregon on the other. 
And it didn't even look like Washington and Oregon were playing the same sport as Iowa. Like the, you, you're talking about two contrasts of uh, sport. Like you couldn't get more opposites than those two. But it's just one of those, like, I don't know what kind of black magic Iowa has and how they keep pulling this off year after year after year. I think I counted or I saw there was 18 punts in that game. Like, it, they've, if you saw their stats, season stats in a box or in a video game, you would say the video game is broken. Oh, that could never happen in real life. And yet here they are, win after win. They've basically essentially taken control of the Big Ten West. And again, that's just excelling in two facets of the game. They have zero semblance of an offensive game whatsoever. And like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're, they've got a path, to, a path to 11 and 1 and, you know, getting slaughtered in the uh, Big Ten championship game. But with all the injuries that they've been dealing with, like, you know, this has just been one incredible job by that Iowa coaching staff. Let me ask you guys this. So say Iowa runs the table the rest of the year, right? Iowa's 11-1, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan all beat each other. They're 11-1. Is Iowa anywhere close to ranked where Ohio State, Penn State, (laughs) Michigan would be if they're all four (laughs) 11-1? I don't know. Like, And, Sonny, you brought up the box score. I mean, it, it really is like when you play Dynasty in NCAA football. And you're in like year nine or 10 and like San Jose state is like ranked third in the nation or whatever. Like it really is like that. And you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like, it's like night, it's like the 1910s. Like it would just be like three yards in a cloud of dust. Like that's how Iowa is winning these games. I think their rating ceiling, honestly, if they run the table is probably 11. Yeah. That that's, that's what I have it as, but you know, you're talking about a top, you're talking about a team with top 15 potential with an offense that is straight up non-functioning. That is insane. It's absolutely wild. Um, And the unfortunate part is people don't appreciate defense. Uh, And I'm not trying to say this as like a big West defender guy. I'm just trying to say like, look at, look at USC, right? USC is the epitome of all offense no defense. And Oregon and Washington kind of fit in there a little bit, but I think their defense have got stronger this year. Um, and so you have Iowa, who is no offense, all defense. Iowa is never going to get as high in the ratings as a USC will because people just love offense. They love the explosiveness of it, and they say, oh, this team is so much better. Oh, they have a Heisman candidate because their offense is so good, and he can do all these things. Uh, when in reality... If Iowa goes 11-1, I'm all for them being top 10 in the nation. Because at the end of the day, you played the schedule, you won your games. Now getting blown out and you know shut out by Penn State, that's not exactly a great look. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, it's all about resume. And if you go 11-1, you deserve, you deserve to be up there. What say you, Sonny? I mean, I agree, but it, you know, it's it's just going to be tough because I think the toughest game that they have left now is probably Rutgers. I think they have coming up. Um, the one game that everybody saw on TV, you know, the whiteout uh, against Penn State, they just got blown out blown out of the uh, buildings. And in your scenario, you had the other three Big Ten teams all go eleven and one, also. So you're talking about, you know the possibility of, you know, four out of the top 10 teams um, big from the big 10. And we know only the sec gets that sort of treatment. Right. So, you know, I think I agree with the uh, Spartan dog that maybe in the 10 to 15 range is probably where their uh, peak ceiling is. Uh, if they continue to play the way that they are, I mean, if, you know, something happens and, you know, all of a sudden they find the magic on offense and become, like a below average offense as opposed to a completely non-existent, you know, even that could be enough to, you know, kind of warrant more positive attention because right now they're, this is what anyone's talking about. You know, everyone, when you think of Iowa, you think of, you talk about their amazing defense and their completely lack of offense. And so it's become the narrative uh, with that program. If I'm Lincoln Riley, I am paying, I am going to a booster and telling them, you send Phil Parker a blank check, let him <laughs> fill it out, and send it back to you. Like, 
what like what else are you gonna do at this point? Like yep. Bill Parker is a he's a wizard. He is a yep. dark wizard. And you ha- and if I'm if I'm USC and like my defense has been actively holding back for Lincoln Riley's entire tenure, I am going all in full court press on on trying to poach the best possible guy. Right. So what do we think, just real quick, before we move on to the next game, uh, what what do we think moving forward for Wisconsin here? They've got Illinois at Illinois next this next week, and then Ohio State at Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska at Minnesota. Are we looking at a Wisconsin team that's just going to finish the year two losses? We think we see another loss or two in there. Well, I guess Ohio State. I don't know. If I, I mean, it is at home, so I, they could they could present a good battle. But with Tanner Mordecai out, um, I don't know. What's your read on, on Wisconsin for the rest of the year, Sonny? Well, I was uh, not as high on Wisconsin coming into the season as you know a lot of the other folks were. I think I had them finishing third in the Big Ten West. Yeah. Um, I just think the drastic measures of change that they're trying to make on offense, they just don't have the talent for yet. I know they went wild in the transfer market, but the talent for what Luke Fickle wants, the system he wants to run, just isn't there yet. And now with Tanner Mordecai out, uh, I don't know if they talked about how long it's going to be, but I know he's going to be out next week uh, against Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, things are just going to get tougher. And I, I, I'm feeling pretty comfortable in my prediction that um, they're going to probably finish third or below. So you see what, two, three, four losses then? I mean, I don't have their schedule in front of me. Um, right now, honestly, I would call – I mean, we'll we'll talk about it next game. You know, depending on whether Illinois found itself last week uh, on Saturday or whether revert back, if they found themselves. Then you're talking about a fifty-fifty coin flip game right. next Saturday with with uh, when Especially Wisconsin being at Illinois. Yeah, and Wisconsin without their quarterback. Yeah. Um. So you know, I, let's just say chalk that one up as a loss, and so Ohio yeah, I mean, they, I think. Honestly, you know, you know, without looking at their schedule, they look like an eight and four team to me. So I'll just say I think that's right about where they're going to finish. Makes sense to me. What do you think, Spartan Dog? Yeah, I don't. It's it's all going to depend on how they recover from from Tanner Mordecai's injury, right? Like I didn't see him on the sidelines saying he can't throw the ball. He can't throw the ball. But you know, if he can't throw the ball, like if he can't even like try to throw the ball then that's not a good sign. They're already down Chaz Malewski. Um, You know, I, Luke Fickle's a good coach. I don't think the wheels are just going to fall completely off, but this is a team that is probably going to stumble into the finish line. And I could see them maybe dropping a game here that maybe they shouldn't, they shouldn't drop, you know, whether that's to a team like Nebraska or Minnesota, um, I could definitely see something like that happening here and here, here coming up. Yeah, that Wisconsin game, or Wisconsin, that Minnesota game is at the end of the year. It's at Minnesota. I think that's one that you'll worry about. Uh, Illinois, Ohio State, you worry about as well. But you should be able to take care of business against Indiana, Northwestern, and you should be able to do it against Nebraska. But but we'll see. So, uh, good thoughts there. Let's move on to the next game. Illinois at Maryland. Uh, Illinois beats Maryland. I know Sonny is thrilled about this, ready to talk about it. Illinois wins 27-24. to Close game. It was a burner. Uh, Sonny, what would you think about this one? It's just nice to, you know, I, this is my third time on the show, and every other time I just came on fuming through the years just with a sad face on, you know, trying to describe – um, you know, what went wrong and uh, the complete opposite happened this past Saturday. Uh, it was the Illinois team that we've been waiting for all season showed up. Um, Brett Bielma ball was, you know, clearly evident. Um, we ran the ball. We had a, our top two running backs out with injuries. And yet we had, you know, Caden Fagan, uh, freshman running back, six foot three, 250 pounds, just continue to plow through the defense, wear them out. Um, that establishing the run game, which is what we've been lacking the entire season up until this point, allowed Luke Altmeyer to run the RPO, RPOs effectively, and he got some long rushes himself. Um, our offensive game plan was nice. Like we had, uh, we spread it out between our top three, four receivers. I think they all each had four catches each. Um, Isaiah Williams finally had his first touchdown of the season, which we've all been waiting for. You know, he's been leading the conference in receptions and receiving yards, but he hasn't been able to get in the end zone. 
Um, this was just a game where, you know, I, I, I've got a pretty, pretty uh, friendly relationship with the Turtleheads now. Um, we both agreed that Illinois just looked like the better team on Saturday. And, you know, outside FAU, we really haven't had that happen. Now, you know, whether that's because now Illinois has finally found itself and is going to become this team that we all projected them to be, or was it just Maryland's annual nosedive uh, once the second half of the season hits? That's why I'm not getting too high uh, on my britches at this point. It's, um, I'm excited. I, you know, I got a smile on my face. I really thought we were facing two and six uh, start in the face, 0 and 4 in the Big Ten, because again, we played Wisconsin next week. Um, this game was on national television, NBC. We haven't been on NBC right. uh, since like 1991 or something like that, which is what I saw. So, you know, wow. I thought we were going to get blown out of the water and, you know, lose some recruits and the season would go downhill fast. But now we come off a victory over, you know, what many perceive to be the fourth best team in the conference. And uh, the team that we play next week, Wisconsin, just lost their quarterback. And all of a sudden, you know, Things who knows? Yeah, who knows? Spartan Dog, what do you think of this one? No, I, I was going to say, like, again, it was on a secondary screen for me, so I wasn't, you know, giving it my full undivided attention. But I will say, when I was watching it, it, it felt like for the first time this season, like, Illinois, like, it clicked. You know what I mean? Like, you could definitely see it was almost like everyone had a light bulb above their head, and it finally went up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's probably the first time – this has happened all season. Sonny can probably speak more on that if I'm accurate in that assessment or not, but it really felt like Illinois, like, like figured it out. They had a come to Jesus moment, an epiphany and they, and they got it together. Um, you know, as far as, as far as Maryland goes, you know, um, I do owe the turtle heads a gift basket still. I'm working on it. It's, (laughs) You know, it, I've it, heard it, about the, the the gift basket. So yes the the gift basket the gift basket digs a fucking racket. I'll say this <laughs> right off the top, like you just ambush at the end of a at the end of an interview, and like what 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 are you supposed to say? No, because then you're a coward. Yeah. So now I got to figure out now I got to figure out a way to get them Fago and Better Made chips. <laughs> it's just. It's that's, unbelievable. Those, that's just those, how they weasel their way into free gifts, I guess. Yeah, those for, those those fucking guys. Um, no, <laughs> those, it's just those turtles. Yeah, no, it's just like you know, it's same story, same rhyme, different verse for yeah. for Maryland. It feels like right. I mean, calendar hits October, and all of a sudden Cinderella turns into a pumpkin. So, you know, let's see if they can recover, but. It was just one of those games, you know. I mean, Maryland kind of had it all through the first half. I thought they looked they looked okay. I thought they were doing well. And then it was like right after halftime, Illinois just looked like they were taking it and running away with it. There's a little bit there, what, at in between, because they scored the touchdown at the end of the third quarter. So maybe there was a little bit of question there. But, you know, Illinois, they just, they looked like the better team, like you, like you said there, Sonny. So interesting, interesting game. All right, let's talk about the next one. Um, and I don't know how much we'll have to say on this one other than Michigan is really good and Indiana is really bad. Uh, Michigan beats Indiana 52 to seven. It was a little close. It was a little interesting there at the beginning, but at the end of the day, uh, JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, the backups were all just too much for Indiana. Uh, Spartan Dog, what was your read on this one? I mean, like, I don't know. Mich- Michigan's a buzzsaw this year. Like, yep. it's just, they're a buzzsaw. Like, they, they haven't played anybody, but the nobodies they've played, they've treated like nobodies. I don't yep. know, like, what else there is to say. You can only play who's in front of you, and they mowed down everyone in front of them. So, well, and I, I actually feel like the beginning of this game was kind of good for Michigan because they've not really faced any adversity. Yeah, you could say JJ throwing his three picks and Bowling Green was some adversity, but I don't know if that game was ever questioned because uh, the defense was just so lights out in that one. And I don't think this one was ever in question either, but you still, you know, Michigan went down for a little bit this game. Their first two drives produced like negative six yards or something like that. So at the end of the day, if you're watching it, you're probably, you know, pulling your hair out. If you're a Michigan fan saying, just win, just win, go win the game. You're better than them. But at the end of the day, I think it, I think it might've been 
better for Michigan to have a game like this. Sonny, what do you think? I just think we're being cheated out of this Michigan season because they look like they could be one of the best college football teams of all time. Yeah. You know, I think I saw a stat like they're the first team to go something like their first eight games with scoring 30 and allowing under 10. Uh, They still up until now, their defense has not been in a first and goal situation. You know, that's just mind boggling to me. Uh, It's but they haven't played anyone yet. You know, at least the Ohio States, we've seen them go up against average to above average, uh, you know, competition. Michigan, we we haven't even seen average competition at this point. So it's like, I want to say, you know, they're clearly the best team in the country, which, you know, right now I think they are. But I say it, you know, but I hesitate when I say it just because I want to see what they do when, you know, the they start sweating a bit and it's not Bowling Green on the other side. You know, right. but it's, uh, you know, a Penn State or if it's an above average P5 team who has the talent to at least kind of slow them down. Yeah, I think honestly, that's kind of where I'm at is like, yes, the schedule is kind of nice. And, I, and I'm not going to harp on the schedule. People do that enough. But uh, what I'm trying to get out here is that later on in the season, I don't think they play Penn State until November. And, and then it's Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State all to finish out the season. Um And at the end of the day, if you get into a real difficult game toward the end with Penn State, Penn State's going to probably have been in a game like that with Ohio State or somebody else. And at the end of the year, if you see Ohio State, I know they've blown them out the past two years, so maybe they won't even be in in uh, that situation. But if they are with Ohio State, Ohio State's going to be a battle-tested team who was in that situation with Notre Dame, who might get in this situation with Penn State, uh, to where you say, you know, if I have to look at anything, because I'm I'm trying to make this somewhat interesting here, and not just say Michigan's going to win the national championship, move on. Uh, that would be my only thing to say is maybe another team is a little bit more tested and they have a little bit more experience that way. But but I I'm with you guys. They they look great. They look like one of the best teams I've ever seen play. Uh, I just need to see it against comparable opponents uh, to confirm that. So interesting, interesting. All right, let's get to Ohio State at Purdue. Ohio State beat Purdue 41-7. to A lot of hype going into this game because Ohio State struggles at Ross-Aid over the years. Uh, they did not struggle at all, came out firing, really kind of took it to Purdue, won this game. Kyle McCord had a good game. Uh, fourth string running back, Dallin Hayden, came in, had a good game. Uh, Cade Stover caught two touchdowns. Uh, Purdue just didn't, didn't look like a comparable team compared to them today uh, on Saturday. Sonny, what were your thoughts with this one? Uh, Basically, just echo yours. Um, Ohio State, I think, is getting better and better every week. Um, Kyle McCord, in particular, is just getting better and better every single week. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see next weekend's matchup between Penn State, whereas, uh, you know, at least Ohio State's playing, you know, a Purdue team who, you know, I, I mean, they've been depleted by injuries. Um, they're not a great team, but at least they've competed uh, in the games previous. Um, you know, obviously they they handled Illinois uh, pretty cleanly uh, two weeks ago. It's it's one of those where I, I just think you know Ohio State just need to keep themselves healthy. I think for the first time in the last 15, 20 years that all of a sudden Ohio State is a program that's kind of being overlooked in the Big Ten. Um, everyone's talking about Michigan, and everyone's talking about the cool new guy in Penn State. And whereas now um, Ohio State, I feel like is kind of like they've got the brand name, but they, in my opinion, like have most people uh, have them finishing third in the conference, which, you know, it's just uh, it's unreal compared to the near history that we've had. But um, yeah, I mean, they they handled Purdue the way they should have. No, I don't think anyone got hurt. So I think they did exactly what they should. Yeah. Yeah. Spartan Dog, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, credit to my friend Big Sad. Uh, he has he has what he calls the Ryan Day fake blowout, where uh, you know Ohio State will come into games and you know they'll struggle for like two quarters, three quarters, and then you know they'll leave the starters in maybe a couple series past when they should have pulled them, just so they can pull away even more and make it look like less of a game than it actually was. Um, but this this wasn't one of them. This was a genuine this was a genuine blowout. You know, Kyle McCord, I think, is finally settling in. I think he's finally kind of getting a grasp of this offense. And 
and you know at some point like it's just gonna you just have to hit the marvin harrison jr button and if you have the marvin harrison jr button it's a good button to have so you know i think i think this week is going to be interesting penn state hasn't been pushed like ohio state has been pushed so it'll be interesting to see how that game shakes out yep we're finally getting the matchup that that we've been clamoring for all season this ohio state penn state to start it off and then we'll get Penn State, Michigan, and then we'll get Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, it's starting off, and I think we're going to learn learn a lot more this week, and that'll uh, that'll be fun to think about and be fun to to watch on Saturday. All right, Spartan Dog, we'll move on to your team. Uh, you played Rutgers at Rutgers, had a had a lead, and uh, Rutgers managed to come back. Kind of kind of an amazing comeback. Kyle Manungai uh, there in the fourth quarter just went off, really led this team to. Uh, to the win. Caten Hauser for Michigan State got his first start. Um, Spartan Dog, what were kind of some of your thoughts on this one? In the words of Jan Levison Gould, I am out of carrots. I am out of sticks. I, I don't even know. I can't even describe. Like, the second best thing Mel Tucker has done for Michigan State, besides bring Kenneth Walker out of the transfer portal, was make that late night phone call. This... These, these assholes, these assholes, if they get another power five coaching job, coaching is a less legitimate profession than Northwestern Mutual Associate. Like it, what a fucking scam these guys are running on, on a public university. Bob Menendez is going to get thrown out of Congress for less. This is bullshit. I am so sick of these guys coming week in and week out and pissing away a, which honestly a pretty talented roster. And here's the thing. No one in the fan base had sky high expectations, right? This wasn't 2022 high off our own supply. Tuck coming, tuck coming, tuck coming, uh, chop, 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 chop. We're going 93, 93, 93, right. And get hit in the face with the reality of the situation. No, this was like, all right, just get to a bowl. You know, get a good class, get another good class in here, build, start playing the young guys. We'll see what happens. Right. It's not even that. It's a fucking train wreck. I don't even know, like, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say when we record Bacon Warrior this week because it's just like the staff doesn't give a shit. Why should I? These guys are making half a million dollars, million dollars a year for what? For, for failing kids? For thinking Rutgers is going to onside kick with eight minutes left? So you line up in an onside formation? What the fuck are you doing? And like, and it started to rub off on the kids. You can see it. The kids are giving less effort because the coaches don't give a fuck. If I had my, if I had it my way, if I was Alan Holler, I'd fucking fire all of them. And I'd make Jacoby Winman, who's out for the year, the acting head coach, like Lance Harbor at the end of Varsity Blues. Who gives a fuck? How much worse is it going to get? How much worse is it going to fucking get? And you know what? I I was joking around this week that like, oh, we're going to beat Rutgers by two scores. The fan base is going to get his hopes up. And then the Michigan game is going to get called in the middle of the third quarter because a walk-on shivs Blake Corum on the sidelines. <laughs> and like, we don't even get that. We don't even get the opportunity to get our hopes up because our special teams coordinator makes $575,000 a year. And is a fucking and is a fucking moron, moron. If you know the name of your special teams coach, if you even know your team has a special teams coach, that person should be fired immediately. You should not. No one should know a special teams coach exists. The fact that we know that he exists and we have memes about him is fucking insane. It's fucking, it's fucking insane. Like you're letting the kids down and the kids are quitting. And if I was a kid, I'd fucking quit too. Cause these guys don't know shit. You're running a quarterback. You're running quarterback sneaks with the stick figure. You finally have a guy with some meat on the bones and you're fucking not doing that. You're going to run a delayed handoff. Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck off. Fuck this entire coaching staff. I will be rooting against them. The rest of my life, if I ever see the name 
of any of these motherfuckers show up on on a TV again, they're fucking losers. And the worst part, the worst fucking part, JR, mm-hmm. was that you know who the color commentator for this game was on the Big Ten Network? Was it Jake Butt? It was it was Matt fucking Millen. Oh. If you know anything about Matt Millen in his professional career career before broadcasting, it was like it was like getting your dick chopped off and then and then having salt love and then having salt poured in the poured in the missing dick hole. Unbelievable. It was just like any it's like Murphy's Law this season. It's fucking bullshit. I'm so fucking sick of this. Give me the basketball. Fucking please. <laughs> Tom Izzo, save us. Uh, I'm very glad that we could provide this opportunity for you. Yeah, get a drink there, Spartan Dog, uh, to, uh, <laughs> to to get that off your chest. Um, I, I'm with you, Spartan Dog. I, I said this when Harlan Barnett took the job. I said either two things. Harlan Barnett is one of two things. Either he is one of those Michigan State lifers that just, like, has always loved the university. He's going to get this job and finally show what he can do. And he's not going to be anything amazing, but he's going to rally this team together, and they're going to be able to produce something and at least look like a competent team who wants to work together. Or we're going to find out exactly why Harlan Barnett has never become a head coach ever in his long coaching career. And unfortunately for Michigan State fans, I think we're finding out exactly why Harlan Barnett has never gotten a head coaching job ever in his career. Because just like you outlined there, Spartan Dog, these kids don't want to play. They look like they have no juice. And as soon as Rutgers provided some some pushback, it was like just open the floodgates. Okay. Come on in, make your drive, you know, do your thing, come on back. Um, and it, it's tough to watch for some of those Michigan state kids. Cause I really do feel like there are some out there who are really playing hard and trying to make their best out of this season. And then there's other ones that just the coaches inspiring and getting them to, to play hard. Um, Sonny, what were you, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, zero chance. I'm following up uh Spartan dog on this game. So, JR, I'm just going to tell you, just make sure you have that parental advisory on this uh, particular yeah. episode. I'll just put the explicit in. Yeah, sorry I didn't clear Sorry, I didn't clear uh, language with you <laughs> before before we got into it. But, you know, you had beyond to talk about this game. So, Well, when you first started, I thought to myself, well, maybe I can just put a couple bleeps in there. And... <laughs> no, Not I a have, chance. I don't have enough time to go through all of that in editing. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll just put the parental advisory um sonny did you did you have any thoughts about Rutgers though i mean they didn't look great but then they did come back there in the fourth quarter did you have any thoughts on them at all you know i know they're you're one of your favorite teams uh in the league this year they you know i don't know how they keep doing it you know they're just you know good for them uh they're what i think one game away now from a bowl Um, five and two yeah you know and you know this is the type of game where had they lost, you know, I think it's fair to say, uh, Spartan Dog, please don't swear at me if you disagree. Uh, Michigan State is, uh, you know, on the downswing, and uh, you know it's kind of a it's a tough position to be in as a program. So uh, a, a win against Michigan State is something you need. Um, I'll be honest, I actually turned the game off when they were down two uh, two touchdowns at one point, and then I had gotten a text message that simply said Rutgers, and I'm like, what are you talking about? So I turned the game on and I saw what had happened. And, you know, that's the type of game that's a, that's a program building game. You know, that's, that's the type of game that's going to, you know, it's always in the back of your mind, oh, we're Rutgers, you know, it's going to, we're going to fall off a cliff at some point, but no, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, they grinded it out. They came back. Uh, The weather was awful, looked awful on TV and, uh, you know, coming back and getting that win is a huge feather in Greg Chiano's cap. And, you know, they're one of the best stories in the big 10 this year. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I just realized at the bottom where I have the scores going, I had a Michigan State 27 and Rutgers 24. So um, if anybody didn't see the game or the score of the game, they're probably like, why is Spartan Dog so mad? They won the game. Uh, No, uh, Michigan State did not win the game. Other way around. (laughs) 24 Michigan State, Rutgers 27. All right. You got any more final thoughts that I uh, need to bleep out or anything there, Spartan Dog? Uh, I mean, I'll just say this. Like, um, you know, Keaton Hauser, it was, you know, I don't know what more you can ask of, of a guy making his first start on the road. Watching him, it's like 
what the fuck was the coach looking? What the fuck were the staff looking at when they named Noah Kim the starter? Like, no offense to Noah Kim, but like he's not a he's not a Big Ten starting quarterback. Like Kaiten Hauser, you is know, Kim younger. Kim is older. Kim is a oh. redshirt junior. Okay. Um, Hauser is a is a redshirt sophomore. Okay. Or yeah, redshirt freshman. Sense. So it's just like you know, you have a guy you didn't recruit who's been in the system since day one, has not made, you know, tremendous strides. Um, you know, the word out of camp all summer was that Kate Hauser is just running through everyone huh. in the in the scrimmages, and Noah Kim has the edge in practice. And they named Noah Kim the starter, and against Power 5 competition, he's, he's more or less a wet napkin. Keaton hmm. Hauser, like, the fact he's not starting from week one, again, Second best thing Mel Tucker ever did for this university was make that phone call. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I can't even understand. Like I almost, I feel like I owe him a thank you basket. I might, I might, you know, I might give him a, give him a couple uh, an OnlyFans gift card or something because I mean, at this point, shit. Some great commentary there on uh, Michigan State. We'll move on to Penn State for their game. Um, if you like seeing, you know, just, you know, like those crime shows where they actually show you the murder scene and the person screaming and the other person uh, just like delighting in the murder, um, you really liked watching Penn State and UMass because this was just absolute beat down uh i'm just gonna read you guys the drives really fast the scoring drives okay um three plays three yards uh one never mind not three plays uh daquan harding 56 yard punt return touchdown to start the game uh eight plays 71 yards drew aller touchdown seven plays 80 yards kate kate and katrin allen touchdown seven plays 35 yards tyler warren touchdown Five plays, 51 yards, Theo Johnson touchdown. Eight plays, 54 yards, Theo Johnson touchdown. Daquan Harding, Hardy with another 68-yard return, punt return touchdown. Four plays, 49 yards, Trey Potts touchdown. Uh, and then five plays, 80 yards, Boo Pribula. I don't even know how to say his last name. 31-yard uh, run for him, touchdown. Uh, Penn State obliterated them. UMass never had a chance. Sonny, you have any thoughts at all? Not really. I mean, I I gambled on the game, so I was keeping tabs on it, but I didn't spend one second watching on it. Did you take the over? Uh, no, I took Penn State first quarter half and full game, and they covered at least a half and full game. There you go. There you go. Spartan Dog, what'd you think? I mean, this is it this was a snuff film. I mean, this was this was gross. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to show this in theaters. <laughs> like, just ugly. This was like that last scene in Inglorious Bastards where, like, the movie theater is on fire and they're just, like, mowing down people trying to escape. Like, this was just, this was unholy. I mean, this this was bad. Um, you know, I, I'm, James Franklin's not not messing around this year. I'll mm-hmm. tell you I'll tell you that much. He, he's hungry. I was surprised the starters came back in in the third quarter and the backup quarterback for Penn state didn't even throw a pass. Um, yeah, it's funny. ESPN gives you like that win probability chart. I'm sure you've seen it when like teams lose and yeah. it spikes one way. Um, it was 100% the entire time. <laughs> for <Penn State>. It <laughs> just stayed at the bottom the entire time. So, uh, yeah, UMass get your, get your check and, and, uh, Go on home. So, all right. Hey, a uh, couple new things that we're going to do in the recap, and this won't take too long, but I do want to kind of get a pulse on some of the awards for the Big Ten at the end of the season. So I'm going to ask these guys if they were giving out the award for the Offensive Player of the Year, the Coach of the Year, and the Defensive Player of the Year, who would kind of be their top three selections right now at this point in the season. So we'll start with Offensive Player of the Year. Uh Let's see, Spartan Dog, who are your three that you would uh kind of consider for this at this point in the season? Um, I would consider I would consider Drew Aller, a uh, quarterback from Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who who's followed me in the past knows I'm I'm very high on Drew Aller. He has more he has kind of lived up to the hype. I did say he was gonna be a Heisman finalist. So, you know, if we're going off my 
if we're going off that, maybe a bit of a disappointment, but um, I think that's more of a testament to how good other quarterbacks in the country are. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, obviously. Like, if there's an award for just being a decoy, like that that's what he would win. Like he yeah. takes up so much, he takes up so much game planning from defenses, it just opens everything else up. Like right. So that that's something. And then um, you know, JJ McCarthy, um, he's looked much improved. I think he's improved his NFL draft stock a ton. Mm-hmm. Um this season he's he's making pro throws he's making pro reads so right yep i i agree those are the top three i have as well sunny who were your top three that was my three really yeah (laughs) so in that same order is is drower three marvin harrison two and then jj mccarthy one i have mccarthy aller uh, harrison harrison is that just because harrison's a wide receiver um yeah, well, I mean, you know, like he, Harrison obviously clearly is the best receiver in um, college football, but it's for me, it's like McCarthy, just what Michigan is doing. You know, we're talking about, you know, I'm, I kind of looked at it in the sense of offensive player of the year, Heisman, McCarthy, you know, his, I took him at like 22 to one last week and he's jumped up to like 10 to one now. Um, you know, he's, McCarthy was my number one for that reason. Aller, obviously he had a lot of publicity coming into the season for the most part. Um, he's been living up to it. And Harrison, like, you know, I guess I'm just waiting for that one Marvin Harrison game, you know, right. where he just goes off for 240 yards receiving. And then, um, then I, you know, he, I could, he could shoot up my list, but for now, you know, he's got to settle for three. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, let's do coach of the year. Um, let's coach of the year, Sonny, let's start with you on this one. Who would be your top three? You know, I have to, this might be, I don't know if this is a surprise or not, but I think my top clear top is Kirk Ferentz. Mm. Um, what he's done with Iowa without now their starting quarterback is out. Their top three tight ends are out. Um, their top two pass catchers are out. Their uh, top two running backs, I believe, are out. Like there's literally only one way that this team can win and they keep doing it. You know, it's just, it's one of those where, I marvel at what he's been able to pull off this year. And uh, I think he's my clear number one, you know, especially with them potentially being on their way to 11 and one. Uh, number two, I'll go with Greg Ciano. Um, again, I think Rutgers is the the Cinderella story of the Big Ten. Um, the one that I'm kind of, you know, it's no, there's no one that's rooting against Rutgers. I, I think that's just about impossible. And the uh, other Chris, one, I'm just gonna... Chris Wild from the Ohio podcast is rooting against Rutgers. Oh, is that right? Okay, he, well, he is a Rutgers hater. He came on the podcast, told all the Rutgers fans that he hates Rutgers. Uh, so yeah, that is their one enemy if they have one. <laughs> I've been corrected. And uh, third, I'll just say Jim Harbaugh, just because again, this Michigan team might be the best college football team uh, I've seen. Like I'd put him right up there with that LSU team from a couple years ago, um, from what I've seen so far. Yeah. Yep. Spartan dog. What do you think? Uh, first, first in first place, I have Greg Schiano. Um, you know, like Sonny said, I mean, Rutgers is, is probably the story out of the big 10 this year. I mean, the on the field story, obviously, like we all know mm-hmm. what the off the field story is, whatever. Um, but no, I, the, the job Schiano's done in his second tenure there. I mean, it's almost as impressive as the first time, um, he was there back when they were in the big East. So, uh, you know, I got to give Shiano his due. James Franklin at Penn State, um, you know, I would have him in second. Just any test, any test they've had so far this year, they've passed. You know, whether that was West Virginia in the opener or uh, or Iowa in the whiteout game, you know, their biggest tests are yet to come. But they've handled they've handled everything kind of beautifully up to this point. And then third, I'd have to go Kirk Ferentz just. You know, I I don't know if anyone's ever exemplified more with less in this in this conference than Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Um. So I posted on Twitter my like full fourteen surpriser. Tom Allen uh, is at the bottom, which it was hard to choose between Tom Allen and Harlan Barnett. They both are awful uh, for the bottom slot. But my top three were Greg Schiano, number one, Jim Harbaugh, number three, and then Mike Loxley 
number three. Um, I had Kirk Ferentz at six. I got a lot of mad Iowa fans. I'm not going to read their tweets because some of them were just stupid and said, you're an idiot. You don't know anything about football. And here's what I would say to them. I don't think I can put somebody in my top three who just a couple weeks ago got spanked over every way possible by James Franklin in Penn State in the wideout. I, I, I mean, if they were at least competent on offense and made some kind of effort, then yeah, I'd probably have them higher up there. But to run, what we say? What was it like, thirty-three plays or something like that? Like, I, I think Iowa is 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 so fun to watch because they're just this weird team, and it's amazing what Kirk Ferentz has done. But I just had to drop Iowa significantly lower in my power rankings after that game. And I know Iowa fans aren't going to want to hear that, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, they win the West. Kirk Ferentz will probably win it all if, if Shiano doesn't win any more than six games. But um, but I did say that I would uh, read some people's tweets. So I had Ryan Day at seven. Some people had issue with that, saying that's way too high, saying that he's clearly out of the top ten. I don't understand how Ryan Day is out of the top 10. He has an undefeated team <laughs> and just blew out a team. Uh, Rutgers Hoop Insider had some good thoughts. He said number one for him is James Franklin. If he can win the Big Ten East regular season, that's his. Greg Schiano turning Rutgers around unexpectedly. And then Mike Loxley turning Maryland around, even if they only go eight and four. That's a really good year uh, is what he had to say. Um. I had some people, Braun should be higher. I had him at eight. Some people didn't like that. Um, a lot of, just mainly just a lot of mad Iowa fans. So, you know, sorry, Iowa fans. This is the dumbest list I've ever seen on this app in a while. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Thank you for your input. <laughs> Or lack thereof. All right. Uh, let's go on to our last one. Defensive player of the year. Um, let's see. Spartan. Or uh, who did I have last time ago? Was it Spartan Dog or Sunny? Spartan Dog. Yeah. What do you think? Um, so I have three names. I have um, Cooper DeJean uh, yep. at I'm Iowa. Mine too. Uh, you know, just an unreal talent. Just going to be a. Going to be a. Going to gonna make an NFL defense really, really fucking good here. In, in the next in the next 18 24 months um you know next i have tyler newbin from minnesota um you know same thing nfl caliber player just just incredible in coverage you're not getting anything past him mm-hmm. so and then i have chop robinson from penn state um, mm-hmm. just a just a monster just one of those game record type guys who who can muck everything up in the trenches and, and make you earn every inch yeah, for sure, for sure. Sonny, who'd you have as your top three? Of course, I got to start off with Johnny Newton. Um, our defense hasn't been all that great this year, but it's not for the lack of his efforts. He's literally being triple teamed now on a every snap basis, and yet he's still pressuring the quarterback. I think he leads the country in quarterback pressures. Um, you know, midseason All American, all that. I, I'm seeing it firsthand. The job that he's doing, like. Illinois is going to have a top 10 NFL draft pick two years in a row, which is just wild for a, a program like us. Right. And uh, the other two, honestly, I'm just going to go with the Iowa, uh, the Iowa boys. I feel like that defense deserves that uh, recognition. Um, Cooper DeJohn, uh, as uh, Spartan Dog mentioned, and also the guy who jumped off the TV um, uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Castro. Castro. Um, he, yep. he was playing, you know, well, of course, the best player in Iowa was their punter, but he, he was <laughs> and, uh, he was uh, clearly the second best player there. And I, I just thought he had a great game. And uh, if there's any defense that could have two guys on um, this list, it, it's the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, and don't sleep on Jay Higgins, too, for, for Iowa. He, uh, he has put together a bunch of sacks. Now, of course, Iowa's defense, they do play against like 80 to 90 plays a game, typically. Um, so, you know, that does kind of inflate his tackle numbers. But uh, he's he's got a ton of tackles, and he's all over the place getting getting there and uh, making those plays. So The fact right. they play so much makes this season even more impressive, honestly, for a big fella to be able to have that kind of endurance to not take plays off and and be in the mix every single play. I mean, that's even more of a, that's even more of a compliment to him, honestly. For sure. And that's, 
and that's where I've gone with Cooper DeGene all season. I don't think Cooper DeGene has moved off my number one uh, defensive player of the year power rankings all season because even when he has a game where he lets up, you know, catches, it's like, well, yeah, he's in coverage for, you know, 60 snaps a game. Of course, he's going to let up at least some. I had a Penn State fan telling me, uh, you know, oh, uh, Lambert Smith absolutely cooked him and uh, he did nothing. He had two catches for 28 yards against him. Like, to me, that's pretty good when you're playing 60 coverage snaps a game. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, Cooper DeGene and Shabash- Sebastian Castro, um, he he's really, really good, too. So, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to take anything away from the Iowa secondary uh, at all. What do you guys think? Uh, who would you take better secondary, Penn State or Iowa? Uh, I I would honestly just take Iowa because we have the bigger we have the bigger sample size on Iowa, right? I mean, they've been out there; they got cooked against Penn State, but you know that was just a matter of their offense did them no favors. They were out there, and if you're out there against a team like Penn State that much, you're just they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hit shots. Like that's just what it is. Yeah, you give someone enough time, and you give them enough you give them enough opportunities, they're gonna find ways to beat. The fact that it wasn't worse, is a te- I think, is a testament to their defense, given how how ineffective their offense was. For sure, for sure. What do you think, Sonny? Penn State or I, Iowa secondary? I'm just going to say Penn State because I saw their secondary pick off Luke Altmart four times in one game, so that that wound is still a little fresh. So, but That's obviously, a good you know, indicator. I <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say enough about the Iowa defense. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, hey, thanks, guys, for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who listened. Tune in on Wednesday for the basketball version. Listen, we got a good basketball show coming up, okay? We have Ross Russ from Boilers Express coming on. And if you don't know, there is a pretty big rivalry between Maryland and Purdue in uh, the Slack chat for... <laughs> <laughs> for big banter sports and uh we have jordan from turtle heads coming on so that should be a fun episode to hear all oh, the wow. basketball talk uh and maryland has officially declared themselves as a basketball school they're no longer that concerned about football so i would like to do that as well i would like to take the opportunity to, to go ahead and state that now yeah. cohen cohen carr did a double clutch dunk from the free throw line on friday that's that was enough. That's going to be enough to get me through through the rest of the seasons. Right, right. Uh, it's either Purdue or Michigan State going to win the Big Ten in basketball. I think Illinois got a shot too, but uh, Purdue and Michigan State, I think, are my two uh, front runners there to uh, to see what they can do. So, all right. Hey, thanks guys for coming on. Thank you to everybody for listening. Have a great day.